there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. He is in, but he's working on the internet. He'll be here momentarily. By the way, for those of you who are new to the Robert Scott Bell Show, each and every week at this time of the week, second hour of the show, we are joined by Dr. Rashid Batar. Dr. Batar, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com and advancedmedicine.com. Been with me. He's a buddy of mine for many years. He wrote The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, international bestseller, uh, translated into many languages. And I would urge you, if you haven't already, read that book and read it again. The keys to good health and recovery, understanding the, the, the risks you face, being a human being on planet Earth at this time, and how to you know, navigate through them and get back to health. Uh, we've got uh, some advanced medicine topics today, including uh, the immune system as it relates to cancer. Apparently, there are some breakthroughs. Nobel Prizes have been given, and we're going to dissect them. Are they worthy? Actually, it's funny about the Nobel Prize. Ever since they gave one to Obama for doing nothing, <laughs> I'm like, really? You want one of those? It's like a, it's a participation trophy at this point, Super Don. Yep, I, yeah. uh, I, well, they, I yeah, want... that was a peace prize. Right, he got the peace prize. Yeah. What did he do? Right. Same kind of wars that uh, well Bush did before him, right? And you know, you get you get participation trophies now from the Nobel uh, uh, Committee. Now, of course, uh, the Nobel Prize. Uh, they do in, in physiology, physical medicine, and things like that. And sometimes it takes them a few years to catch up to where everything is. But uh, it's fun when we can acknowledge maybe some of the good stuff that is acknowledged. But once they find and figure out something that's pretty cool, they ruin it. They ru- Allopathic medicine just mucks it up. Yes, you can say that. Mucks it up. And the Nobel Prize in medicine was awarded to two researchers who discovered how to make the immune system fight cancer. Did they really... Did they really discover how to make the immune system fight cancer? Doesn't the immune system know how to fight cancer? And the fact that it's dysfunctional is the reason it can't? Not because it doesn't know how. Really? I'm just I'm asking the questions. James Allison and Tasuko Hanjo, Tasuku Hanjo, discovered proteins that break the immune system. And they were talking B-R-A-K-E, like hit the brakes on certain things. So, the 2018 Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine to two scientists who separately discovered proteins that break, B-R-A-K-E, the immune system. And they paved the way for what the committee calls an entirely new principle for cancer therapy. Really? An entirely new cancer therapy? They call it immunotherapy. Immunotherapy. They found these proteins, and they somehow used an antibody to target these proteins to shut them down. And when the the proteins were shut down, Breaks were released on the immune system. Really. So these proteins were present, and they stopped the immune system from working. Did anybody think to ask, well, what they were doing there in the first place? Was there something else regarding a toxicological insult to the body? An inflammatory cytokine cascade that never ended? Or nutrient and or nutrient deficiencies like a lack of selenium? that cause the cells to dysfunction in abnormal metabolites and proteins being produced, not properly bound and excreted through a process of metabolism? No, none of that is considered by the Nobel Committee. 
This is what we're dealing with with the Nobel Prize. It's more ignoble. And we covered the Ig Nobel Prizes, didn't we recently, Super Don? Ig Nobel Prizes? We did, yes. And there were some which funny is, ones, too. Oh, yeah, which is their version of uh, what we would call a great moments in science, where they, the studies are done on things that even the scientists kind of scratch their head and go, did, did you really do that? Hmm. So, yeah, fun. did they really do this? They, they found, hey, we could give an, uh, some kind of vaccine. The antibodies will develop, will destroy these proteins. What other untoward events would happen? Unintended consequences when you start targeting proteins that normally occur in the body. I'm just asking. And so this immunotherapy, uh, they said it worked on, what, half the mice or something? It was, yeah, I mean, listen, it was pretty impressive what they did. It's better than pure Um, chemo, I agree. From a scientific standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, this this is pretty significant. Now... Where you go from here, I don't know. Um, I know, I know just, where we just, go from here. Where, uh, well, where do we go from here, Robert? The microbiome. Oh, oh. well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You guys did a pretty good job with that. I mean, so I'm just gonna sit back and listen. Oh, dude, <laughs> Doctor Batar couldn't find a, a word in edgewise. Doctor Batar, welcome, my my friend. Big hugs to you, and I uh, hope you got your redneck internet going. No, actually, you know, Montana has uh, some things to be desired. Actually, it's not it's not Montana's fault, but anyway, it's my fault. But anyway. <laughs> Everything's good to go, right? I mean, as as well as can be expected. Unfortunately, for people that uh, Facebook, that normally I do with Facebook, I won't be able to. I might be able to hook it up with my phone, but I don't think I'll be able to do that. Well, hey, send them on over to the YouTube channel. At least uh, they can hear you clearly, just in case. Yeah. Uh, sure, and sure, sure. they'll just have to I deal like, with, with my uh, horrendous good looks in the meantime. There you go. I don't want to have to interrupt that whole concept <laughs> of the biome because that was uh, that's obviously a very interesting topic and dear to my heart, so... Listen, you're going to love this. I don't know if you've had a chance to read any of these stories, but it's fascinating. Again, you know, we give them props for identification. We're, we're kind of science geeks here. I love the science. But the misapplication, once you figure this stuff out, even if it, it, it marginally is better than pure chemo, I'll, admit, I'll agree. But really, is it addressing the underlying cause? No, not, not at all. Now, this second story is fascinating. I can geek out on this story. It's called Cancer Hijacking the Microbiome to Glut Itself on Glucose. This is pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's like monkeying with the microbiome itself so that it's you know, stopping how the body would normally deliver glucose to the cells, right? And it's hijacking it, keeping the blood sugar levels higher, and then the cancer cells, which you know and you said better than anybody on this program, are obligate glucose metabolizers. And they even in this article, uh, Dr. Batar, they acknowledge that the way to find out if cancer's there is is this kind of sugar test that you had to testify on and you made another doctor look like a fool because <laughs> he didn't know or pretended not to know that sugar is what the cancer cells really fuel themselves with primarily. Uh, just fascinating. Yeah, the um, the PET scans, it was the PET scan aspect when they were talking about, you know, they said that this is uh, all cockamamie uh, <laughs> gossip and, and ludicrous, what was it, ludicrous... Uh, Wives tales that cancer loves sugar. So when he said that, he said this is all poppycock. It's uh, you know this is all yeah. there's no scientific validity to it. So I I wrote down a piece of paper for my attorney. I said ask him how a PET scan works. And of course, that's exactly that point. <laughs> yeah, the radioactive uh, link to sugar, radioactive particles linked to sugar, and of course, where do they go? Right to the cancer cells. So they found out a deeper level of how the cancer cells can grab the sugar before your healthy cells can get them. And they're talking, and this is specific to leukemia, right? Because they said leukemia cells create a diabetic-like condition that reduces glucose going to normal cells. Now, 
again, we talk about different factors involved in diabetes, including mineral deficiencies, chromium, et cetera, but it's a fascinating thing to alter the microbiome because we've also seen medical science identify that restoration of the microbiome can reverse diabetes as well. So it's, it is, it's a good finding, but how are they going to apply it from here? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, and so some of these things have great, it's great to, to learn this stuff and, and, you know, the clinical applications of some of this stuff, it, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of implications to that. And if some of these things that we discover, like the sugar, obligate glucose metabolizer, sugar cancer being obligate glucose metabolizer, I mean, that's been known for, what, 30 plus years? I remember 15 years ago, 20 years ago, watching some show on TV, and they said that new breakthrough that Stanford had just discovered that cancer survives in sugar. And I'm thinking back then, you know, I heard it at many of the integrative conferences, so I didn't know what was going on, what, what discovery they're talking about. So, um, but this biome thing, that's, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I know it's cool. And, and you know, they talk about uh, uh, fat. It, it, they say the tumor cells are tricking fat cells into overproducing a protein called IGFBP1. And they say this protein makes healthy cells less sensitive to insulin. I, you know, I don't know. I haven't validated this study to, to be sure because I dispute studies all the time. When I look at it and something doesn't make sense, I think they're going to find something else out. But, again, it is a legitimate issue to raise. How do the cancer cells grab the sugar? Can we strategically starve them, right? And that's part of protocols and holistic therapies for years. This is not new. They're just coming on to this idea and go, oh, maybe we should pay attention to what Dr. Batar has been doing. Well, I don't know what else what it said, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I get I get your drift, and I think that this is something that more and more people, as time goes along, more and more people will start paying attention to some of this stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're talking about it already. So another layer of this, as it attacks the microbiome and alters it, they talk about a specific type of bacteria in the guts of of the leukemic mice. They lack something called bacteroids. And they produce short-chain fatty acids that in turn feed the health of cells lining your gut. Again, what do we see in cancer? Gastrointestinal distress, leaky gut. Without the bacteroids, the gut health suffers. And then they go further. They say one way is the loss of hormones called incretins. Incretins. And they say when blood sugar gets high, for example, after you eat your gut, it releases these incretins, which tamp down blood glucose when you can't produce it. Glucose remains high. Guess what? Leukemic cells, cancer cells. Go ahead, bring it in. Bring it in. We're eating it. And it grows. I mean, some of these mysteries are being solved. This is kind of cool. It's very cool. It is very cool. And, you know, the interesting thing is, too, that they're, they're finding that the relationship of between the, between the gut lining the, the microbiome, the, the obligate glucose nature of cancer, it's kind of like the same thing when we talk about the second brain being inside the gut, you know, the mm-hmm. mesenteric plexus, or they see that there's so much neuronal tissue or so, so much uh, nerve tissue in the heart, so they call that the heart, you know, do we think with our heart versus mm-hmm. our brain? So this is where the heart map studies come in and where they're focusing in on the, the relationship between breathing and how you can regulate your breathing and, and affect the calmness of the heart, but it's actually the nerve, the, the, the brain cells that are inside the heart Mm-hmm. So the connection between the heart and the brain or between the uh, brain and the gut is all these connections that we're discovering now that we would not have normally associated. So we know that the second highest concentration of neurotransmitters is actually in the mesenteric plexus within the gastrointestinal system. So this cross-integration 
of tissue, you know, in, in multiple areas, we start to recognize how important and how the connection, how imperative the connection is between these different areas of the body, even though we wouldn't have thought that the heart has brain tissue or the gut has brain tissue, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the microbiome with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Specifically, how can any of this give us insight into the vulnerability of children after vaccination? Who would descend right into the autism spectrum and who doesn't? Might the gut play a role there, the microbiome? We'll get to that and more also an upcoming online webinar with Dr. Bittar. We'll tell you about it next. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, diving headlong into some more advanced medicine. All right, it's a 10. That was a perfect dive there, Dr. Bachar. Gut bacteria, microbiome, some of the most amazing advances in science are being made by basically humbling these doctors or scientists that would never have thought that our very lives and the production of neurotransmitters, endocrine compounds, digestive excretory functions, anything you can imagine goes through the gut. You talked about the mesenteric plexus. I love that. Sounds Star Trek-y. We're into that. <laughs> But it's grounded in real science and validated science. Now there's an article here about gut bacteria and the genetic search trying to unlock the secrets of autism. And I find this a little schizophrenic, right? We want to find what is the gene that triggers autism. And they're going through the gut bacteria going, wait a second. What about, do they think the thing, maybe the gut bacteria the microbiome has a lot to do with the body's ability, for instance, to metabolize or methylate, for instance, Metals, mm-hmm. things like that, that, it, that it's not a genetic trigger per se as much as it is the microbiome being imbalanced and even cross-generationally now and epigenetics. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, this, this, is, this is pretty exciting stuff, uh, especially when you start talking about the epigenetic uh, components of it. But I, I, don't even, I don't even know which, you know, that, it's almost like the possibilities are endless. You don't even know which way to go because there's so many other potentially cool things to be discovered as you start going down this road. The bio, the, 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 um, the biofilm air issue, you know, the, the bacterial leaky gut syndrome, um, biofilm becoming either compromising the gut or biofilm protecting the pathogenic uh, organisms that are growing, the, whether it be bacteria or viruses or whatever, parasites, whatever is there. Mm-hmm. And then the whole aspect of certain dietary proteins like the, the, the leptins and the... Um, Ghrelin, leptin, yeah. Yeah, all those different... I think we, we talk a lot about uh, gluten, which is just one of those, falls into you know, one of those particular categories, but there's so many other components similar to gluten that fall into that mm-hmm. leptin category. So understanding some of these components and getting more information, being able to do more research and seeing the implications... This is, again, cutting-edge research, but yet when we go back and we talk about eating clean, eating organic, mm-hmm. eating things that um, we know are going to be less damaging to our systems, they're less modified, they're less genetically altered, they're, they're more um, paleolithic, you know, they're, they're more what our, what our forefathers ate or what our ancestors ate. 
mm-hmm. understanding that. Now you see where the research is going right back to that same arena, that things that you realized when you were growing up, when you had all your uh, ailments, and then you started changing your diet, and you start seeing the difference. Now we're looking at those same things, except we're altering some of the components within the gut uh, mm-hmm. environment to, to basically facilitate and improve the status of that environment, which is then going to facilitate um, the goal of actually achieving a better um, state of wellness and health. And so yes. it's fascinating to me that we're going full spectrum, you know, cutting edge and all this innovation, and they're talking about stem cells and regrowing limbs and growing organs. And look, we're coming back into this area that's focusing on the microbiome, the, the, the state right. of the gut. It's, it's awesome because this is really where disease starts, in my opinion, gut and liver. These are the two organ systems. And again, this is where the head map is focused in on, right? Right, correct, correct. Yeah, and this is like going into inner space, right? The final frontier, inner space, yeah. right? Going deep into your own body, and it isn't your own cells per se as much as how they interact and manifest in an environment that is a suitable place, including, of course, especially the microbiome of the gut. Uh, by the way, this is a New Zealand study. They said up to 75,000 New Zealanders could be on the autism spectrum, and diagnoses are increasing, and they're like, I wonder why. And they're looking for a genetic cause, once again, because, of course, they don't want to self-reflect and say, we, we doctors, we scientists that promoted the idea of vaccination are a primary cause in this. And, you know, that primary cause we've talked about, of course, mercury, but, you know, there are a whole lot of things that will interact with the microbiome. Right with the MMR, they found the specific strain of measles that comes uniquely from that shot in the guts of these children that also happen to have autism diagnosed on the autism spectrum. It's like so there is gut interaction, even though you th- you think you're just injecting it intramuscular or into wherever you're injecting it into. It is impacting the microbiome as well. Oh, without a doubt, this is the one thing that pretty much what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is this affecting the microbiome, or is the microbiome already? vulnerable and now you introduce a substance like mercury or something else that's already going to be immunosuppressive and it's like pouring gasoline on a fire yeah regardless of which way it is you know how important the microbiome is and how much it needs to be protected hey y'all check it out if you're an egghead you're going to dig these stories but uh definitely pay attention to the perspectives we have on it because they're not going to have that in those news stories whether they're from new zealand or here in the united states wherever we will talk about on the break as well as when we come back how to participate in the next webinar through dr Vitar's site advancedmedicine.com Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Willing to go where the truth takes him. Here's Robert. Special thanks to all y'all that are regular listeners, but of course, welcoming all of our new listeners from around the world here on GCN. If those of you listen on the syndicated radio dial, otherwise iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, UK Health Radio in the United Kingdom, and of course, YouTube while we can, and sometimes Real.Video. And of course, Dr. Batar will sometimes stream when he's able to through Instagram, I think, and Facebook. Is that correct, Dr. Batar? Yep. I haven't done anything with Instagram, but... Uh... I'm surprised that we're actually able to do it on Facebook today because I am in in the mountains and I didn't think it was going to work. But anyway, it should, Good job. it should be back to normal. Yeah, reaching out to the world by any means necessary will get you get you this good, powerful, empowering message. Now, 
Uh, Dr. Batari, you've got an upcoming webinar event that we're hosting uh, through the IDFW that you can find at advancedmedicine.com. But we do need to let our radio audience know about how to plug in their special instructions. Yeah, so basically, this is, again, we've been talking about at the IADFW all the information that will be released, and it will be uncensored information. The only way you can access this information, if you are a member of a private association, the International Association for a Disease-Free World, and uh, that's basically what you can join at Advanced Medicine. There are other ways of joining it, but um, if you're a listener to the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine Mondays. Then, uh, Robert, what is it? Thirteen fifty-eight. Thirteen fifty-eight is your code. That's your invitation code. You can't join unless you have an invitation code. This is a private group that allows you to access information you can't do in the public domain. So it's a very important distinction here. If you go to advancedmedicine.com, you want to plug in the invitation code thirteen fifty-eight. I think a lifetime membership will cost you a dollar. Not exaggerating. Yeah, it's normally ninety-nine dollars a month, but if you have an invitation code. Uh, right now, if you have an invitation code, it's a lifetime membership for $1 instead of $99 a year. And a year, that's right. I still feel bad for the person that doesn't know we can get it in for a buck. I mean, come on, pay attention. Right. Exactly. Um, so there are a couple of very, very loyal Facebook listeners that have been talking to me and asking me uh, since you started streaming about the webinar. And so thanks to them, you know, we, we got this thing scheduled. Um, the IADFW has its own Facebook page now, so there are a couple of you that I've already talked to. If you're on the, the Facebook Live today, uh, please stay after the radio show so that I can give you guys the details, because I would like for you to be the moderators. You have to have a link so that you can make validate if a person actually is an IADFW member. If you already have joined in the past, all you have to do is go to advancedmedicine.com and, and basically log in. And then look for the webinar link. Okay, there'll be there's some links at the bottom. You can go to the left hand side and look at the upcoming webinar. Go ahead and get registered there. If you're not a member of the IEDFW, then go ahead and, and join. That's the one dollar right now. If you join with an invitation code, but the webinar this is actually the first of five webinars we're going to do. Five webinars in five months, and we will list the subject. Uh, some of these things have in the past been explosive as far as. The information where people found them to be, the information to be um, uh, life-changing. But the thing is that we really weren't ever able to speak candidly because, again, it could be construed as making a claim or whatever. We don't have to worry about that anymore. So this is going to be completely um, the, the truth. It's uncensored, okay? Mm-hmm. But the only way you can access the information is if you're a member of the IEDFW. So we, we don't have to worry about any of the other people that police us because they're not invited and it's a, this is a private event. Right. Only the members of IEFW can join. So um, those that have joined, you know that the things that you have to agree to and, and anybody else that's there for nefarious reasons, they basically will have been committing a crime trying to get into the webinar. So I'm actually just excited about that part that I can yes. see for the first time. Speak truth candidly. all the way. Yeah, candidly on this stuff. So do we have the date and time? Yeah, so the date is October 11th. And it's at 8.30 p.m. The email, I think the first email went out uh, last week. And um, if you're on Facebook, let me know if you guys got the emails, if you have already been seeing them. And if you haven't gotten the email, just simply go to advancedmedicine.com and register for the upcoming webinar. That's all you got to do. All right, beautiful. Well, listen, it's all there. Super Don's blasting it out as well as we speak. 
Upton Sinclair wrote, and this was also quoted in J.B. Handley's book, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. All right, I think everybody gets that. This, this goes to conflicts of interest. This next story talks about that, that there are financial incentives for doctors to vaccinate as many children as possible, as well as keep patients on statin drugs, for instance. So if you go into, let's just say a health food store. You go into a health food store, and you find out that the person that's the salesperson at the health food store gets a bonus every month if they sell X number of bottles of one product. They're going to find a reason for you to be on that product, even if you don't need it. Because their economic livelihood depends on them pushing that through. And people would say, that's a conflict of interest. That's not cool. How do the doctors get away with it, Dr. Bittar? You know, I don't know if you actually set this up for the Advanced Medicine webinar and the IEDFW, if you said this on purpose, or, or whether this was just a coincidental happy coincidence, Robert. But to answer the first part of your question, how do they get away with it? Well, there are supposed to be certain things that are put in place to prevent this conflict of interest. And this is the entire reason for the AHEAD map, because there's so much that people are, as far as messages as to which product they should be on. The, I mean, I'm even, uh, I'm finding myself that I'll read one of these sales letters and I get embroiled within the story and then I want to try the product because they're so good at convincing an individual that they may need the product. The AHEAD map is actually specifically designed to determine based upon the organs of detoxification and the burden that those organs of detoxification are dealing with to help support those organs of detoxification to either upregulate or to reduce the burden. And their, their nutritional status, the individual's nutritional status, will change month to month as their uh, organs of detoxification are getting healthier and are becoming more efficient and the burden is being reduced. So when I see a patient that comes to me with 90 supplements, you know, taking 90 pills a day, and it's exactly what you said. They go to GNC and, the, and the, the, the sales representative will try to sell them this, or they've been on the Internet or they've whatever. And this is the same thing actually with the pharmaceutical industry when they're advertising, yes. right? I, oh, yeah. I realize that the U.S. is only one of two countries on the planet that actually allow for pharmaceutical Direct-to-consumer advertising, U.S. and New Zealand, I believe. Yeah, it's amazing that it's only those two countries. And... Here's the other thing. I didn't realize that in the United States, up until the 19, late 1970s, early 1980s, it was illegal for pharmaceutical companies to uh, advertise on TV. It, I think they got some kind of bill change in the 1980s. Is that right? Yeah. And, of course, the, the media loves it because they make a, a, a gobsmack amount of money on pharmaceutical advertising. I think the only ones that advertise more might be the car companies at certain times. But big pharma funds big media, therefore they rarely bite the hand that feeds it. Once again, if your livelihood depends on you're not seeing something, right, you're not going to report on the danger of vaccines, or you're going to limit the damage when you report on the danger of drugs because it's so obvious you have to, right? You find a way to spin it. And, and that's the point of this article, that when you go to your doctor, you think they're independent and you know they're above all that, but no, they get big money incentives to keep you vaccinated, keep you on specific drug categories. Yeah, and, and it's always a conflict of interest. So if you start looking at the places that you could get vaccination back in, say, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, and you now look that they'll do it in hotel lobbies, they'll do it in department stores, grocery food stores, they'll do it at the, you know, you go to the CVSs or anything, any, any kind of a pharmacy just to pick up your prescription or some vitamins, they're doing, they're doing a vaccine there, they're doing it in an airport kiosk. 
They're mm-hmm. doing vaccinations that have the flu shot at all sorts of different places. But my question is, going to a grocery store or a pharmacy uh, or, um, or an airport kiosk, what does that have to do with, your, with, with, with getting a vaccine? I mean, that's not where you, you don't go to an airport kiosk to see a doctor. So well, why are you going to an airport kiosk to get a vaccine? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's an absolute mess. Yeah, it is a mess, and I think it's because they're trying to convince more and more people, and and people are motivated by fear. They're not motivated by love. So when you yeah. when there's a fear mongering going on, that's one of those that's one of those issues to trying to promote those. Oh, and they know it, agenda. and they know it, and they are pushing it for all that it's worth, so that they take all of your worth away from you in the process. Now, there's a story out of New Zealand again, another story of a a, a little little baby boy who was nearly killed according to the parents, by the rotavirus vaccine. Now, this is, uh, Paul Offit was involved with this. He's gotten, you talk about conflicts of interest, millions of dollars paid, and he's a, he's a shill for the vaccine industrial complex. Now, how about if, if a doctor were honest, they'd say, hey, you know what? Diarrhea could be one of those things that happens to your child, you know, in, in babyhood, so to speak. Now, we've got this vaccine. If it happens to be the rotavirus, we think it can help, but it could also result in a collapse of your the gastrointestinal tract, your son, your baby's intestinal system, and it could be resulting in death. And and then you could ask, well, what if my baby has diarrhea? Do I have any other options? Oh, yeah, yeah, you have silver hydrosol. You have probiotics. You have colostrum. Yeah, there's a lot of options. Will any of those result in my child's death? No, not at all. Now, how many parents would say, yeah, give me the rotavirus vaccine, if they were honest like that? Again, they're not. And here's the case of, uh, you know, you're putting your child's life at risk by just believing what the doctor tells you because they're incentivized to promote every vaccine that they can. And this is something that I think the general public is not aware of. And there are certain specific rules put in place to prevent incentivization of doctors. For example, the continuing medical education credits now, they used to be able to incentivize doctors or pharmaceutical representatives could uh, incentivize doctors with dinners and golf outings and you know trips and all sorts of different things. And then they came up with some very specific rules to prevent doctors from being bribed, if you will. And then CME was the same thing. CME for continuing medical education companies can't do certain things that they used to do in the in the past. And there are very specific regulations that are in place to prevent them from doing so. But they still allow uh, for doctors to be manipulated and. I guess that's one of the things that, you know, at what point you said that it's not a conflict of interest if you're just trying to provide the doctor with good information for them to make an uh, informed decision for their patients. Right. And yet, at the same time, many of these drug reps, you know, they bring in massive amounts. And I see this with even nutritional companies bringing in lunch for the staff and, and doing that whole thing. So I guess it's a, it's a way to get the, the provider's attention and the staff's attention. Sure. It's kind of like bribe the staff to get uh, the doctor to have the luncheon or allow them to bring in the lunch for the staff. So it, it, it's hard to say, Robert. You know, I mean, there's this, to facilitate the dissemination of information is probably a good thing, but then when mm-hmm. it's used for wrong information, then it's not such a good thing, obviously. Sure. And we ask about the integrity of the patient or the, in fact, in this case, the doctor delivering the information to the patient. Uh, and then decisions can be made, uh, maybe not in your best interest. Folks, we've got a lot more healing to go. One more segment, quality of life issues when it comes to cancer drug studies. We'll ask about it next. Great heavens, what kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show.
Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Releasing you from that medical stranglehold you've been under for so long. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine with Dr. Rashid Batar. Go to drbatar.com or write to advancedmedicine.com. We have links at robertscottbell.com, including upcoming events and the webinar October 11th. You've got to be a member of the IFD, IADFW. Cost you a whole dollar. When you sign up, but you have to be invited, the invitation code for RSB Show listeners, Advanced Medicine, 1358. Again, linked up in the notes, Superdon's blasting it out. Dr. Patar, when they... Go ahead. Go ahead. Robert, one one more thing I was going to say, that if you are a member of the IADFW, do a search on Facebook under IADFW, and then go ahead and submit your request to join the group, and a moderator will first confirm that you are indeed a member of the IEDFW and you've gone through um, the process and that you are uh, a valid member, and then they will go ahead and allow you access to the IEDFW. So I know there's a bunch of people that just recently um, tried to join, and so they have not been confirmed yet, but it is a private group. And uh, please, if you're listening to this, you enjoy what you've seen at the IEDFW. You've already gone to the head map at the advancedmedicine.com website. You pay it forward and tell other people about it. And use your own invitation code on the upper right-hand side of your dashboard. It's your own invitation code. But don't use Robert's. Don't use mine. Use your own invitation code. You'll get one. That's right. Blessing from that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pay-it-forward scenario, which is wonderful. Hey, listen, speaking about paying it forward, how about, you know, the, some really advanced stuff in the advanced medicine category on cancer research, microbiome research that I've really enjoyed bringing out today on the air. But there's also a dark side, of course, when it comes to cancer, that it's still a chemo-focused, destroy-kill-poison-focused therapy that dominates allopathic medicine. And there's an article here on Medical Express that says, Health-Related Quality of Life Overlooked in Cancer Drug Studies. Overlooked? I, I don't even think they take it into consideration. They're like, let's find the most toxic thing we can do to kill the cancer. I, I believe they're sincere. They want to kill cancer cells. I'm not arguing that. I think the method is, is, is barbaric and brutal, but that they consider quality of life, they might go, oh, you know what? I think they'd be better off just dying of cancer. I'm not saying, I mean, but people end up living longer without the therapy that they put out there, this toxic chemo stuff. Yeah, so this is, uh, what you're talking about the toxicity of chemo, right, Robert? Right, and how it impacts quality of life, much less. I mean, yeah, okay, you shrunk the tumor, but the patient is dead. That kind of concept. What was the life like during that period of time where you were shrinking the tumor with a toxic poison or radiation or whatever? They're saying in these things that they haven't considered that in all of their studies. Well, they really haven't considered even the fact about the uh, reduction of tumor size because if you start looking at the two-year post-follow-up from chemotherapy, radiation, whatever the different things that you're looking at, again, I'm thinking at two years. I'm not looking at immediate right now, you start looking at the reduction of tumor size is something like 2% or 3%, something ridiculous. Uh, Ty had actually put that information out after looking mm-hmm. at over 300 different retrospective studies as far as tumor, sh- tumor size shrinkage uh, two years out. So it's not that effect. Whatever it does, it's temporary. But secondly, why are we trying to shrink the tumors? Because, you know, there is this other theory that the tumor is really a, a response that the body puts out an immune response to bite for that mm-hmm. in order wall it to wall it off. Cancer, yeah. to wall it off, exactly. So, so when we're talking about the quality of life, let's first talk about, before we start talking about how chemo and some of these other things affect the uh, quality of life, let's just talk about how effective is it to do what it's supposed to be doing, which is getting rid of the cancer in the first place, and then let's look at 
Well, it's not working, and it's costing the quality of life issue now. I mean, yeah. you know, we talk about quality of life, but here's the thing. If I was if I was faced with a life-and-death situation and somebody said, okay, you may have to compromise some of your quality of life, but you can still live, you know, would I consider that? Maybe. But here, it's not that case. That, that, that sacrifice of quality of life is not giving them a prolonged life. If anything, it's reducing the limited life that they've got left. Yeah, and now that we've been hearing about lifespan versus health span, but the irony is, as is, is, is Ty has presented, too, in some of his books and presentations, as you've acknowledged, that oftentimes they show the survival rate for certain cancers with no intervention at all. Like, for instance, prostate cancer, a classic example. You'll outlive the cancer and die of something else. So why, why reduce quality of life with these horrific things they do? Yeah, it's exactly right. And it's basically because of fear-mongering and because people think they have no other options. And so they're manipulated or bullied into taking some type of a course of action and, and treatment that they don't they don't know much about, but they're basically no. bullied into taking it. And they're, they're scared. Well, the more you know, the more you listen to Advanced Medicine, the less you'll be frightened, the more you'll have a posture that they won't want to mess with you. When they come with their chemo, their vaccines, you go, uh-uh, I know better. And they know you know better. They're going to find another victim. And maybe you can quickly get them on advanced medicine. That other victim won't fall prey either. Dr. Batar, tell them what they need to know because we got to go. That the power to heal is unequivocally yours. Yes. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.